Coach Stig, before we talk about anything football related, I want to know how this cruise is going. We talked last week about the fact you were going to go on this cruise. We had to do a little education on some of the Disney characters. So now that you have been on this cruise for a little while now, what's it been like? Uh, it's uh, living with uh, through the three grandkids. It's been really special. Um, honestly, I don't know any of the Disney characters. So I, they, they look at me like I'm out to lunch. I said, what are these, what are these soldiers for? Boy soldier, they yell at me. So I got, uh, I'm learning. Uh, next time I'm going to brush up. So I sound like I've been around the block. It's been a blast. It's been an absolute blast. And it's fun to do this, Tyler. It's the, the, the amazing technology we get to live with. Well, it's, I'm excited that you're sharing a little bit of this experience with me as we're chatting over Zoom. But at the same time, as I told you when we first started, I feel bad because there's probably more important people you should be talking to right now than me. Well, they're in the water right now that uh, we're in Cozumel and uh, they're doing some snorkeling. So I like to stay close to the shore. So the call came at an appropriate time. So are you much of a swimmer? Uh, I can swim, but I don't, uh, it's not a confidence. I'd rather coach against Alabama than try to swim a hundred yards. So I just sink. <laughs> really? You didn't pass the uh, swim lessons in pier. Well, I know I, I passed on them. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Hey, so being on this cruise, did you have any idea what was happening with the football game against North Dakota State last Saturday? Did you watch it? Were you kind of paying attention? What was last Saturday like? Because you're obviously in an awesome space with the grandkids. And so tell me what uh, game day was like last week. No, we were able to watch it. Tyler was uh, really fun. Uh, obviously, North Dakota State got off to a really good start for them. And uh, another sign of the type of football team the Jackrabbits are, that there was zero panic, and you could tell they played with a ton of confidence. And uh, and I think uh, uh, that's okay. That's okay to fall behind and be tested and uh, and prove that you can come back because that'll, that'll pay dividends down the road. Hey, I want you to explain for us something that Jimmy Rogers has talked about often. He did so as a defensive coordinator in previous years. He's done it this year, but I want you to put it in context. He says the most difficult thing for the defense, at least this last couple of years with his unit, is getting through those first 15 to 20 plays the opposition runs because they've scripted things out. And so you don't necessarily know what they might do. And he says, if we can survive that and then get into their normal calls, we feel like we'll have the advantage. We just need to get through that. Why is that such a big deal from a coaching side of things? Well, I think, first of all, what he's saying is the players know those 12 to 15 plays. They know the sequence of them, unless you get way off in terms of, uh, you know, on schedule and so on. Or like a third and 20 or something you have to abort. Right, right. You're, yeah, you're not running counter. And so, I, I, but I do think, and I agree with Jimmy, I don't take anything away, but I do think uh, give him a little too much credit because, uh, they go back to those plays and you defend them. Uh, and so I think the main thing is go out there and be sharp and, and uh, execute your responsibility. And uh, But there is an advantage. There's no, 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 no doubt there's an advantage to the offense that's able to, to you know, just run their, their, uh, their openers. And you know what I loved? I loved to sit in on the openers 
when we when we talked about them, the guys went through them because you could tell there was a confidence. So again, I'm agreeing with Jimmy in a big way. Now, what is the philosophy when it comes to openers? Is it hey, these are our best? And whether it's you hear some coaches, they script out 10, 15, 20, whatever the case may be. Is it these are our 10 best plays or is it we're going to put a couple of plays in because we know this will set something up for later in the game? What's the philosophy of putting those openers together? It's both. It's both. But I would I would say uh, a huge majority of the plays are your your base plays that are your best plays against their defense rather than. You know, out of the 12 openers, seven new plays, that would not create confidence, uh, both in terms of execution, just in terms of what are we doing? This isn't our offense, you know. And so I think it's it's both, but a uh, huge majority of your base plays. You know, you saw North Dakota State try to attack our inside uh, defender on fade when they saw that's one of their base plays against our, our, our defense. That would be something that we'd look for against another defense. So do you, as a defensive coach, when you're dealing with the openers, are you a little more reactive as opposed to proactive, or do you want to try to be proactive from the very first play regardless of their openers? What's the defensive philosophy in the early going? I think the the, the layman would say, well, change it up so they don't know what you're in. Well, then then you're not playing your base defense. And so I think the the, the our philosophy, Jimmy's philosophy, Jesse's philosophy, and my philosophy always was uh, we're going to be best in our base defense and, and uh, so be it. And uh, again, it's, it should interest everybody how a team can go up the field. USD, for instance, I love Josh Davis, go up the field and seemingly have you by the whatever and then not be able to do it, you know, at all, you know, and that's, I t- again, I think it's a confidence thing that wears off and a confidence that's gained by the defense. So after, let's say, that first drive of North Dakota State, they put together a very impressive march, convert on a fourth down, go down the field, score a touchdown. We know in general, oh, you guys are communicating whatever, but take me inside of this now. How much communication is going on between the football assistant coaches on the defensive side of the booth and you and the ones that are on the field and then those assistant coaches relaying to the players, and is there even a player or two that might get on the heads and talk to a Jesse Bobbitt upstairs? How exactly does that communication go? No, I think, uh, at least when I was the head coach, I took notes, that's why I had a notebook. And and uh, so, you know, the third play, and again, I don't remember sequence, but they ran a, a fake running play in kind of a orbit motion, handed off and got some yards. Cover your rules. You know, who has that? Who's Who's gonna Who's gonna take that based on your assignment? Those are things you would go over. Something totally different in terms of a formation or play. You, you can't wait till halftime. You can't risk because, in my opinion, take uh, take the Eastern Illinois game, uh, playoff game. We ran power thirty some times in that game, uh, and not, nothing against uh, uh, that staff, but they never stopped it. You can't do that in football. You can't afford football is too fickle a, a game for us to. to wait until halftime so now i do have to bring this to your attention there have been a picture or two that have circulated on social media from the game on saturday there was an older individual with gray hair and a gray beard and glasses wearing 
headphones walking around the tailgate with a blue long sleeve shirt, then a blue vest over the top of it. And he had one of those uh, uh, key chains, one of those lanyards, and he had what looked like a call sheet attached to it. And people were wondering if it was Fostig that was walking around in the tailgate lot on Saturday. So imitation's the greatest form of flattery, right? It is. And uh, I just got another picture of that from Dallas Park scene who played for us today. In fact, I just responded to it uh, minutes ago. And so my response is he was probably better coaching than I was, but uh, I got to do the, be the real coach stake and he, he, uh, he got to fake it. So, but it is what an honor, I guess it is to, for somebody to dress up like you, whether it's uh, Halloween or, uh, you know, the North Coast State game. All right. Now, when we talk about today's game, we have often discussed when you go on the road and don't kick till six or seven o'clock at night, just the uniqueness of having the team in the hotel all day. This is on the inverse a little bit. Now, you played at Iowa a year ago, which was an 11 a.m. local time kick. This is a noon local kick. But when you're kicking this early as opposed to later in the day, are there negatives to it? Or is this really the best way to do it to kick before two o'clock in the afternoon? Well, for me as a, as a coach, I wanted to get it going as soon as possible. You know, I think the, the negative is uh, the guy that isn't uh, maybe used to a road trip as much and the dedication it takes, um, you know, it may stay up too late and, and not realize that his body clock is not going to be ready to play that early because he didn't get his, the rest he wanted. But uh, I tell you what, this is a mature football team. And uh, I don't think they'll have any problems. And I know they hose guys to make sure they take care of anybody that might be on a trip for the first or second time. I mean, I was watching the pro game last night. They're talking about Joe Burrows goes to bed during the season at eight o'clock at night. And the guy said, who does that? Well, guys that are dedicated to their trade and, and uh, you don't have to pay them $50 million. You need to be dedicated to your team and your trade. And, and uh, that pays dividends also. All right, so as we get set for this game here at Youngstown State, kick off a little more than an hour away. This is an interesting program, the Penguins, because when you first got into the Missouri Valley Football Conference uh, a decade and a half ago, they were still on the back end of what was an unbelievable run when their now president, Jim Tressel, was the head coach. They won multiple national championships, and they were sort of with UNI kind of as those two powers in the Valley every year, and Southern Illinois was certainly in that mix as well, and they've had ups and downs. They, they've seemingly in constant rotating as far as coaches are concerned. But Youngstown State's in a unique scenario. I mean, they're the furthest east by far. It's just a unique place, a unique campus, a unique program to have to contend with, right? It is. It's a unique trip. It's, uh, you know, you go out there, and I, th I think for the most part, uh, our recruiting map, if you will, you're going to coach against a kid or guys you recruited against, the coaches you recruited against and the other teams but when you get to Youngstown and probably Indiana State also uh, there's no familiarity in terms of the, the human part of it uh, I love Ron Strollo their AD uh, one of the uh, more first class ADs I've been blessed to be around and it, 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 in, in all our competitions he always came up and, and greeted us I think that's first class and then uh, really neat deal uh, after we won the national championship I'm sitting watching uh, well you know we went through that uh, that torture me being at the NASCAR place. I'm watching the national championship FBS game. And 
Doug Phillips pulls up his chair, sits down beside me, and and don't have a great relationship with him. And he goes, "Tell me how to beat North Dakota State." <laughs> so, <laughs> that was this. That was it. Wasn't hey, coach, how you doing? But, you know, just tell me how to beat North Dakota State. So, uh, got a lot of respect for Youngstown. I love that stadium. Uh, they've got a storied program, and I think six national championships. So, I'd love to be there someday as Jackrabbits. This goes back to what we touched on a week ago, and it's kind of been a recurring theme. It's amazing how many of these coaches are becoming your best friends now that you're no longer facing them. But I guess in all seriousness now, there is a tremendous amount of compliment to that because they feel like you have answers. And you know how it is in the coaching profession. For somebody to admit they need help, there's a lot of people that wouldn't do that. Uh, you're exactly right. And and uh, I don't know about I, – I, I would like to think, Tyler, that I was always real – I was always always willing to open up and and uh, share ideas. To you know, I just it never made sense to me, and, and still doesn't that you are guarded as a coach. Uh, you know, we need each other. You know, there's, there's 128 of us in FCS football, and and and, and half of us have got people uh, shooting darts at us. Well, why, so why wouldn't you befriend each other? So, but neat compliment, not to me only but to to our entire program because you know i've said it before and jimmy knows this too uh there's a lot of people get involved when a program has success well and i would say this as well when it comes to things like whether it's an xlr or a line mic issue or things like that in audio when i start going down that path i know i lose you when you start talking about orbit motion and some of these things, I can hang with you a little bit because I've learned from you enough over the years. But if you're not in the profession to understand some of the lingo and then just some of the stress and other things, it's hard to explain to people outside of athletics and outside of football some of the things that that you and Phillips and Entz and Farley and on down the line deal with on a regular basis. There's no doubt. And that's the interesting thing when when. uh you know, people, uh, you know, appear to feel like they, you, you don't know what you're doing as a coach. It's such a complicated game and it's a science and it's art and it's creativity. And it's obviously a ton of hard work, just like your profession. And, uh, and so, you know, that, that, and I'll, you know, again, I'll bear my soul here. I always love to go visit another profession, whether it's uh, the baker or the uh, hotel guy or the, uh, investment guy and dig into his world and find out what he does. I didn't didn't want to get that so I could second guess him. I think that's interesting to find out where you live and what you do and and uh, just just uh, I think it, it it fills your 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 mind with some stuff you don't have an access to. Well, it's refreshing you don't second guess anybody else because the number of critiques you've given me over the decades are just so numerous. Well, Justin told me I'm supposed to keep you in bay, you know, because he can't. He's had his trouble for him, has trouble doing that. Uh, Justin Sell, fans don't know who I'm talking about. So, uh, so I try to do my part. I'm still on the payroll a little bit, so I'm going to continue to, to uh, tell you how good you are. Well, you know, it's one of those things, and I've made this joke to Justin as well. You know, it comes down to humble or honesty, and sometimes you just have to be honest about how good one is. <laughs> I love it. Does right. he understand what you're saying? Well, that's neither here nor there. I do know our time <laughs> is about run out. You need to get back to the grandkids. I appreciate you taking some time with us on this cruise. And uh, again, just uh, so fortunate that you get to be able to, to do this now, Stig. I'm just delighted for you. 
Well, it's uh, Laurie and I lived our dream, and I've said that so many times, and we know that, we feel that, and this is another part of a, another chapter in that. So we're going to enjoy it and invest in our grandkids and, and, and cheer the Jacks on from a distance. God bless.